Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 15 years, 14 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. I've been an entrepreneur since I was four, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and a corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> Hello, friends. Thanks for being with us. So we have some guests with us today. We are so excited to introduce Brian and Emily McCormack. They Go have guys. a lot going on in their lives. Lead pastor of a church. Both of you going to school and starting school. Five kids, homeschooling. What else? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you love. Oh, man, it sounds crazy when you say it like that. <laughs> I can keep going. I'm sure there's a lot more. Uh, yes. So I'm starting school in January. So I'm just like barely dabbling so far starting the reading journey. I'm terrified beyond all measure, but also super excited. I've watched Brian do master's program and now doctoral degree. So I've kind of like seen the process, which makes it exciting and terrifying having seen it. Um, yeah, homeschooling is kind of our day to my day to day. Um, I also do a podcast, so I kind of know the little bit of the ropes. I'm newer at it. I know you guys have been at it for a while, but that's a little bit about. And I really love the Peloton. How about that? I really love the Peloton. <laughs> that's awesome. What's the What's the name of your podcast? Yeah. Uh, this changed my life. That's awesome. Yep. What about you? What do you? What else about you? Yeah, I, I think that we say that we we tend to try to live, not intentionally, but we live life at a high degree of difficulty uh, <laughs> with all those things that we're rattling off. Um, and uh, yeah, the kids are the most important part of that. We love our church. We love getting to send out new churches out of our church is a huge heartbeat of ours. And then neither of us were really that into education stuff, honestly, until we kind of figured out what our passions were. And now one of us has been, you know, <laughs> You. doing something mostly me over the last you know last handful of years yeah. but uh the next couple months will be interesting because as i'm finishing my doctorate she's starting her masters and so there'll be a couple months of of late nights where we will both be at the kitchen table drinking coffee <laughs> arguing over who gets to go take care of the next crying child so <laughs> but we wouldn't want it any other way it's a beautiful life yeah so can i ask you a question on that i love that idea of of finding your passions and then going deep finding yeah. your passions and then going deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, I've heard said often, and I, I think there's some merit to it, is this idea of so often it's like, well, what is it? You know, what is it? It's, sometimes it's, what is it not? You know, mm-hmm. with, you know, via process elimination. And, and so often I, I think people will discredit that looking for the, you know, the, the, the golden ticket as to their passion or their talent or their gift or, or whatever mm-hmm. adjective uh, you want to use. How did it come about for you guys? How did you discover your passion? That's a great question. Me first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's kind of newer for me, actually. I I'm a I don't know if you guys do the enneagram, but I'm a seven on the enneagram. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight, eight wing seven. Yeah. Okay, and I'm a eight or a seven strong eight. So yep. kind of the the different. So the enthusiast. So I. I can, I'm a really good starter. And I, I feel like all the time I'm like, oh my gosh, I have seven ideas that I could do this. And I could like, just always having, so it's, it's can feel sometimes hard to really hone in of like, no, I want to do something excellently. I don't want to just do 10 things kind of 
halfway, especially I don't have a lot of time, like extra time, right. To give to different things. So I've dabbled in a lot of things, but this year um, I preached in March at our church and just the process of teaching and studying the word and putting together the sermon. And then just the, like, I felt so much joy. I feel like there were parts of me that came alive. I've always loved to teach and I've done different things, but I hadn't really preached a full sermon in that context in a while. And afterwards I I just was like, I want to do this and I want to be excellent at it. And I don't think you have to go to seminary to do that, but I'm also in the world we're living in and seeing how much kind of people are tearing apart the truth and, and even the Bible itself. I just, I want to be able to answer confidently with scripture backing. And I just feel like this, I found the passion of like, okay, Holy Spirit, I know it's all you, like if I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach, it's going to be fully you. But I also think that we can do our part and meet him there. And then I'm like, that's where the power is. And so that's where I felt like school. I, how many times have I said, I'll never go back to school? More than a few. More than a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that I'm going, I felt like it was totally one of those God things that it was even a desire. Um, so for me, it was kind of like I came alive after doing something and I was like, ooh, there, like I want to pursue that. So mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I think that I would answer your question this way when it comes to just like finding your, your passion. And I think synonymous to that for many people is their, their calling, right? Um, and I think that often your true calling is the one you can't outrun. I think that if when I think when your true calling is put before you, it's going to be intimidating or it's going to be a change of direction of what you thought it always was going to be, perhaps. And so for me, it was just basketball. Like that was, that was my thing. It was, I'm going to be a business major in college so that I can count my money as a professional basketball player effectively. <laughs> that was basically my mindset as an 18 year old who declared as a business major. And God just kind of steadily revealed like, no, like you're a preacher. And then a couple of years after that, it was like, no, you're a pastor. And I was like, well, uh, we can bargain about that. Like, I'll do some of the, the speaking stuff on the side, you know, as I'm, as I'm playing pro ball or whatever. But, uh, you know, just the calling is the one you can't outrun. Like, just the opportunities will chase you around. People will continue to speak over you what they see in yeah. you. And um, I think with the things that we've given most of our, our lives to, that's been the case, is just the, the true calling is the one you can't outrun. And at a certain point, you stop running away from it and just kind of surrender to it. And you end up experiencing more joy than you thought possible. And that's really been the last 15 and especially the last 10 years for us since we started the church and mm -hmm. um, kind yeah. of put the roots down deep in this community. So, yeah, that's beautiful. And you've been married 15, almost 15 years, mm -hmm. almost 15. Yeah. In May. Yeah. Nice. What's your anniversary? May 12th. 12th. Yeah. Is that close to y'all's? No, no, July. July. Oh, okay. You I recognize that date. Yeah. It might be actually the last day that I was in school. I think oh. I graduated law school on May 12th. And, and I said, I'm never going back to school. That was well, law school, that's like a, that's next level intense. Yeah. I cannot imagine. No, yes and no. You know, it's, it's interesting because. It's the, all dependent on your personality type. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he excelled. It yeah. would be intense for me. And, yeah, <laughs> well, it was it was intense. Um, and it, but also, you know, you talk about this cannot run your outrun your passion. For me, it was very clear. You know, I had kind of a two way go when I started law school. My main one of my main focuses. My mom suffered my whole life from mental illness in and out of the psych ward. Mm -hmm. 
And so I wanted to be the best advocate I could be for her. So when I got into Seattle U, it was like, holy moly. And I left mm-hmm. a really good job at, at an insurance financial services company right out of college, corner office, doing, you know, doing great to go to law school, you know, on a flyer. And, but it was so clear that I, I'm not going to be a lawyer. Like, that's not going to be my trade. I, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to use this law degree of the thinking that I acquire, um, you know, the, the skills, and I'm going to, I'm going to go into business. So six weeks out of law school, you know, we co-founded, you know, ProStar Insurance, and we're 14 years into that. So um, wow. I think you're totally right, Brian. Um, and so far, I mean, you can't tell Talia's Adrian either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. How tall are you, Emily? Uh, five eight. Five eight. Okay. Okay. So, Brian, you're six nine. Yeah. Yeah. You? So she looks tall next to most people. But like, when a she's next to me. Next to him. Yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> as impressive. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm five nine. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're tall. <laughs> he yeah. So five kids, fourteen years of marriage. So, yep. So, Okay, so wait, no, I want to hear um, you guys. You just turned 40, Brian, right? I did. Yes. Happy birthday. Yes. About a week ago. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you guys got to go to Europe. Oh, All by we, yourself? No kids? We, yes. It was, it was amazing. So <laughs> Thank you. We are too. It was a lot of coordinating, but yeah. so awesome. Oh my gosh. How long were you there? Nine days. days, Yeah. yeah. Oh, like a long time. Yeah. That's awesome. What country? We were in England for most of it. And we were trying to decide what to do with kind of the the three full days we had after we weren't with our group anymore. We were doing like some church conferences and stuff while we were over there. But we had a couple extra free days. And we said, man, the the channel, like the, the train between London and Paris is right here. We can just go do one night in Paris. And so we did that too. <laughs> yeah. uh, my mind was blown. Like, I mean, I fly in airplanes all the time, but like riding a train under the ocean <laughs> is the craziest idea imaginable. And all these people are just sleeping, not thinking about it. I'm like, y'all, we're <laughs> under the ocean right now. Yeah. That's what I was doing with the first guy to ride an elevator, you know? When, oh, when yeah. Started, I'm like, whoa. You know? <laughs> Does your phone work under there? Can you see like uh, the GPS or no? Is it no service? It no, I don't think so. There's about a half hour where everything's just dark because you're, you know, under underwater, of course, underground. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was it was a trip. And uh, there's, there should be nothing normal about flying 35,000 feet in the air either. Yeah. But True. when that's your normal, being in a train under the ocean, that was that was wild. But yeah, it was it was an incredible trip. We had, it was magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Tell, tell us about Paris. Paris is like, it's it sounds so funny. I've, I've talked to a couple of people this week when like, how was London? How was Paris? And when you say things like, man, I had no idea. <laughs> Like Paris and London are really cool cities. It's kind of like, you're like, hey, I just heard about this new band Nirvana and they're pretty good. Like, have, you heard of this, have you heard of the Beatles? They're really good at what they do. Uh, saying that saying that Paris and, and London are both beautiful is you feel kind of silly, but they really are. Paris is just, it, it, it lives up to the hype, man. It's just beautiful. Everything's delicious. Everything's beautiful. Um, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. It, we were talking about it tonight at dinner and it feels like 
what did that all really because you know you come home and it's like right back into work and <laughs> kids and homeschool like all the craziness I'm like did that really it feels like too good to be true it was like a, it felt like a dream mm-hmm. it was so sweet yeah we did a week at 10 right our 10 yeah 10 year anniversary we I surprised him with a week or 10 days oh maybe it's eight or ten days yeah in Kauai Oh, that's one of our spots. That's one of our favorite places. Yes. We went to Maui for our honeymoon. And so we had never been to Kauai. So it was fun to go yeah. to Yes. He got all the way to the airport and still didn't know where we were going. We were checking in and he's like, Wahooey? I don't know. What. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so awesome. Oh, well done. That's awesome. That's amazing. I always say Kauai is Neverland. It's like just this untamed jungle island in the middle of the ocean. I love it. It's it so cute. great. Good yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We could go back. And then we were supposed to do six weeks in Europe. Right seven, before, seven. Oh, yeah. Seven weeks in Europe right before coronavirus. And then they canceled. I mean, obviously, they canceled our flight. <laughs> May, May 2020. So I turned 40. And so for my 40th, and and friend I've had known since second grade, uh, co-founder in the insurance business. I've known him since second grade. And uh, he and his wife and our, us and our kids, we, they, we have four. They have two. Um, we were all going to go to Europe for seven weeks, seven countries in seven weeks. Yeah. No way. About May to July 15th or something. So we're, we're flying back. into London. We've never, I've never been to London. I've been to Paris, but yeah, same. And so <laughs> yeah, we still have the KLM vouchers sitting in the queue and, um, I hope you can reschedule that. Yeah. It'll yeah, be on too. our list for the future. Yeah. We're going to take the kids <laughs> to the Dominican Republic for oh, school. Awesome. For school next year yeah we leave in february so that's amazing wow so we'll do seven weeks there instead yeah <laughs> oh, what a life we love it here. i mean i love you know the five kids the homeschooling yeah i want to hear more about like, homeschooling we've got four and we've had now just about every experience i mean we homeschooled them during the pandemic yeah we pulled oh, them yeah. to zoom for five weeks and we pulled them and and adrian talked to them we have four kids now in four different schools from preschool to private kindergarten to public elementary school to public sixth grade middle school (laughs) and we haven't found the you know like it's not it's different than it was maybe when I was a kid but I sound old when I say that (laughs) it's not not per se that it's different we're looking for the best possible place for our kids to grow thrive learn to learn gain resiliency yeah of kindness and a spirit of that they have it you know it's fun because at home we have been able to instill it to this point yeah. at home that they want to like they pray prayers that humble me like mm. we always have them pray at dinner and i'm like holy cow mm. god heard that you know like <laughs> it's 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 pretty humbling and and uh and they also are very, very thoughtful of others. So I feel very grateful for that. And they're a great team. And I think part of it is just, just luck, you know, like you get four and they kind of all have these different personalities and they're all three years apart exactly. But I'd love to hear what you guys are up to. And we're totally free agents when it comes to the school system right now. <laughs> and it's like, she's a, she's a very convincing Enneagram 7 recruiter evangelist. So be yeah. careful. She's, she's good. She, you know, you always do an awesome job. You always say that you never are trying to like recruit people to homeschool, but you always want to, you want people who think they can't do it to know that they can. Totally. Yeah. 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 So 
we've done public, private, and homeschool. So we've done all the options. Um, we've done everything except co-op, basically, which no thank you. Just going to say it. <laughs> I'm not a co-op person. I'm maybe someday. But so honestly, our reason for homeschooling, we started four years ago. And I would have said, again, the nevers. It's like you said, don't tell, don't say never. But I was like, not I said, never, I said that too. <laughs> did you? Yeah. yeah. Before we, we pulled them for COVID, I was like, no, I'm not a homeschool mom. It's not going to happen. And then we pulled yes. them and I was like, all right, it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's really what it was. It was like, I'm not a homeschool mom because I had this idea in my head of what that looked like. Or honestly, like I'm not a type A, I don't, I'm not super organized and detailed and follow through is hard for me. And I'm like, I can't screw my kids up. Like it's different if I quit something, but I can't like quit <laughs> schooling them. And so I just was so nervous. I mean, I, so we really prayed and I was like super angsty for an entire year where I was trying to figure it out. And Brian was always like, we can just try and send them back. Like it, you, it's not like a, you're deciding for 15 years and my brain couldn't wrap my head around that. I'm like, but if we pull them and send them back, they're going to be traumatized and just all the fears, right. Of you know, that a lot of them are irrational, but I will say one of the biggest draws was Brian with his work schedule, Fridays are his day off. And so Friday, Saturday are our weekends. And we just started feeling like, man, we don't, we just want more time together. We want time with the family. That's not rushed. Saturdays get busy with Costco and birthdays and baby shower, you know, all the thing, yard work, whatever. And so Fridays are Sabbath. And so we're like, okay, we want Fridays as a family and your job's not changing. And so what can we do? And also we realize like morning time, both of us are not our happiest. We're getting better. I feel like we've grown a lot, but like, we're not, we don't wake up and we're like, ah, you know, like we're ready to go. <laughs> and the school rush was insane. You guys know the drill. Like someone's always crying and food out the door and shoes are being thrown. I mean, it was just like, and then they're at school and they come home and they're cranky and it's homework, even young littles, it was homework and bed. And it was like, we just felt like we want a little bit more control over the schedule. So there was a lot of other factors, but those were really the main, the main ones. And I will say, I mean, it's year four now, we still reevaluate every year. Is this what we want? Is this good for the kids? But the fruit of it, even the times where I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do it the fruit has outweighed the challenge tenfold. And that's what keeps us going is the relationship of the kids. Like I saw the difference of their relationship when they're in school versus when they come home, the they're each in their own classrooms. They're, they're not used to having to sacrifice and compromise for littles or older. They get used to their own like circle where they, and so seeing my 12 year old, how he handles a three-year-old. And then I see his peers, how they handle young. I'm like, oh, there's a huge difference. Like, and I'm not saying he's better or anything. It's just a difference. He's used to having to all day, buddy, I need you to watch him. Boss, can you help teach the, like, there's just a lot of teamwork that's happening. Um, so the, the, the sibling relationship, the fruit of that has been just a huge gift, honestly. Um, and then the flexibility has been incredible. And um, we've got some kids with just different um, specific needs. And so any kind of hurry really stresses one of them out. It really gives a lot of anxiety to him. And I've gotten to remove all of that from his life. There is no, if he, uh, there's no hurry. And that has been such a gift, removing the hurry from our mornings, from our evenings, from school. It's just, I mean, they're like different kids, honestly. So, I mean, I could go on and on about all the pros, 
Yeah. Um, and and we make change next relationships, year. Teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the environment. You, you obviously have control of the environment. Yep. And you have control of the curriculum. Yes, which has been so great to go at our own pace. That's been huge. And they're thriving. I mean, they they ask never to go back to school, which that's a total plus. Like, that's not a given, you know? So that's been really awesome. Yeah, it's been good. I think that, like, one thing that's really interesting that I didn't think about until we started this journey is uh, we, have, we have a couple families that also homeschool around the country that we're close with and just compare notes and kind of compare motivations. And one of them is an author. And he was doing research and it was just a pretty simple conclusion. But if you look at the entirety of human history, like it's like this sliver of a fraction of human history where over the last hundred years, like about a 10 year old or a 12 year old immediately shifts like from the center of their world is their family to the center of their world is their friends. Like kind of like a peer centric understanding of the world like and the, that's the most important thing or like the most definitive relationships are my friends that's happening that's happened earlier over the last couple of decades than really in the entirety of human history and so it's not out of like control or out of fear or anything it's just like man like we we're deeply invested in the lives of our kids and we want like our our family unit's fingerprints to be like the most clearly defining things about them uh and we still want them to have friends and we still want them to be in athletics and still serving the city and still like like learning all those things yeah. but uh yeah we're, we're excited to be as intentional as possible with those years that are a gift so yeah yeah totally. so how does that work with so athletics and kind of like what are the ways that you do integrate them to the their peer ages i love the teamwork and the kids you know helping the different ages and how old are the ages again 12 10 8 6 3 <laughs> eight, six, nailed it yeah, it's a good question. Girl, think, a girl. One girl. One girl. Three boys, one girl. Yeah. Yeah. Three so boys, that, a girl, and then one more boy. Yeah. Three yeah. one three one one. <laughs> so in the athletic department. So do they play yeah. terrible? Like, I'll take yeah. I'll take this one. You got it, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um you gotta run in your lane. Yeah. Well, no, man. I'll I'll join you in the back in my day, because it doesn't make you feel old, but I'm just flexing that age now that I'm 40. That's um, right. That's right. It, it would have been way, it would have been way more difficult, you know, a half generation or a generation ago, I think, to still feel like is homeschool. You know, back then it was like, if you hear about a homeschool kid, he's not a threat on the basketball court, like or the football field or anything like that. And if you look at the emerging like like elite athletes right now, a shocking percentage of them are homeschooled. Because there's like parents are figuring out there's so much flexibility to it. And there's like kind of the AAU basketball industry and club sports industry. There's tons of good and tons of bad about kind of the commodification of young athletes and all that. But like club basketball is a huge blessing. So Boston is like three years into playing at Eastside Basketball Club. His team is basically his family outside the home. He's had the same coach for all these years that we adore like is developing them as people um not just as players and you find like those little kind of niche opportunities and um it's a higher quality experience than what he would probably get just like in a, in a public school environment with wonderful coaches i'm sure um and yeah it's pretty straightforward and it's, it's fun too like there's so much flexibility that 
you get to like ask each kid. It's not just what is the PE teacher in the mood for? It's like, hey, what are you passionate about? What are you curious about? So with Boston, the oldest, it's like, I want to do basketball. I want to go deep. I want to try to make a club team early. I want to do all that stuff. And we make sure he never feels like trapped into that world. But then we got another kid who was like our kind of honestly the most freakishly athletic one who's like, I want to do gymnastics. He's he's done with that. He's like moving on to jujitsu, like just because we can do all of that. And then there was another one who isn't necessarily anti-athletics. He's our biggest Seahawks fan, but he just he loves uh, he loves precision. technical stuff yeah. and precision. No, and, right What's that? He's crying right now after the yeah, game. Yeah, he's probably not happy about tonight's <laughs> result. No, but so we got to we got to use that time and signed him up for like a video game design class. Like, so you get to kind of hack their education and kind of modify it in a way that people who are uh, in more traditional settings don't get to do. So we love it. That yeah. is cool. So will they play? So so when it comes to athletics, do you think you suppose Boston may go into that? public school or a private school when he gets to high school yeah and that's really seamless well, like, yeah. yeah washington state is actually an incredibly like homeschool friendly state yeah yeah uh, and it's you can you can choose like if he if he wants to go and take like say emily and i are like yeah we're not interested in trying to do the chemistry thing he can go to the lake washington high school just take chemistry and then come right home like you can do that or you can go and you can he can play um, in, in, in any local high school that's in the school district that he wants to for basketball too. And he could do that while doing run and start if he wanted and get his associate degree simultaneously. Yep, we're hoping for totally. that. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. And I think, and again, we're not passionate about recruiting people to homeschooling. We are passionate about people knowing their options and then believing that they are capable of doing it mm-hmm. when when they don't think they are. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. We're pull- yeah. So like we said, we're pulling our kids to go to the Dominican Republic for this school for a few weeks in the winter, and I'm like, Six, right? and I am like going back and forth. I'm like, well, what do we do when we get back? Yeah, <laughs> we leave the middle of February, and we're only gone for seven weeks. Back about Easter, just and in I'm time like, for So Easter. do we just put them back in their schools? Do we just homeschool yeah. the rest of the year? Like, I like, I want to continue to travel. I, I mean, I want to show my kids the world. And so I don't really want to be tied down by the school, but at the same time, I like the peer interactions. So yeah. we struggle a lot with kind of going back and forth for that. So this, this has been very enlightening for me. Yeah. <laughs> conversation at the table, you know, uh, with our kids as, as I was just, as we we're just examining, we were able to pull them out. We were able to pour into them and, you know, and Adrian mostly, I taught some leadership topics Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and it was fun. I mean, it was a blast. And mm-hmm. to your point, you know, even uh, coaching, I got a chance to coach Canyon's U10 girls soccer team this year. Cool. And it was stinking legit. It was <laughs> so good. And so about four weeks in these kids and I had the gamut though. Here's what, here's what I'm saying in terms of, I think there's no place to hide is I had every, I had public school kids on this team. I had private school kids and I had homeschool. I mm. had every girl, I nine-year-olds and I had them all. And so mm. I got to see the difference between all these kids. And we, for the most part, going into the fall, our kids have been homeschooled. And, yeah. and I, I felt, now Canyon's personality is very 
friendly and engaging. Um, but it was, there was not like, it wasn't like, oh, okay, the private school kids are getting the best, you know, or <laughs> there was no like place to hide. But I do believe very, very much in athletics. I believe, mm -hmm. I believe very much in team sports. And I think that kids learn a lot through those things and to make sure that they gain great coaching, Brian. And so, I mean, it's lucky sometimes too, you know, somebody comes to town and Mm -hmm. I mean, even my coaching was pretty, I mean, I'm not saying I was the greatest coach in the history of the world, but I've, I, we put, we got after it. We had an 11 year old on the staff up to a, and a 72, we had uh, coach Goodall, your friend. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. I, so, so, so I show up at the field. I show up at the field the first day. Now you mind you, I'm coming from PLU. We just done this deal with their football team and, and our whole everybody our whole family's in the car our whole team it's like nine of us in the tahoe i don't i think everybody has a seatbelt anyway and so we're coming back and 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 the second email comes in for no coach and i'm like shooting stars my soccer team i played on 12 years club team called the stars and i had the greatest coach coach just the whole way up navy guy uh wow you just just i mean i've got i still i still know like half of them and so I'm like, maybe it's a sign. And so I say, okay, I'll do it. And then I get on the call and with the parents and they're, you know, I'm laying it out. There's three roles. There's parents, there's players, and there's coaches, you know, and to be a player, you gotta be under 10. So you're disqualified from that. <laughs> one role. So your parent or your coach, and if your parent get them to the field, root for everybody, you just adopted every kid and go shooting stars. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and then number, the big one for me was, was to assume that players are given maximum effort. I don't need a parent and our coaches don't need a parent to demand effort from kids during games. That was a big one for me. It's a pet peeve of mine when I'm at game. And, and so to ask them how it went, you know, when they get to the car and let them talk, they want, they want to talk. Hey, how's the snack, whatever. But mm -hmm. coach, but our coaching staff, we will demand effort and we will raise the bar of your kids and we will teach them life through the game of soccer. And I, shoot, I'm like just saying all this stuff. I had to research so much. But so I get an 11 year old, uh, a kid named Grayson on, on our staff. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, welcome to the staff kid. And every, he'd come to practice and at the end of practice, he just thanked me. And then, but Coach Goodall, he was our CEO, our chief encouragement officer. He went over to every parent, every grandparent, every little kid on the sideline, and he rooted them up and, you know, told them thanks for being here and all that stuff. And then I had the Russian coach, Florin, and Florin, he would just give it to him. And I mean, in a loving way, but in this Russian accent, he said to me, John, it's your team. If you, if you if there's anything I'm saying that sounded like- I'm yelling too loud. I said, Florin, I will let you know. I never let him know. He was phenomenal. I mean, he, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. And it was just so much joy. And in a time like this, to, to be able to show up and understand, you know, practice and, and effort at practice and, and, and to, to develop skills. And, you know, the 11-year-old would, would study YouTube positions because his job was in, on game nights, game mm -hmm. day, his job was to tell them where they were going, what they got to do when they get there. And I'm telling you, there was a couple games where we beat teams we should not ever have been in the building against. And, and there was one game where we lost and I quit on the kids. And I, and I remember waking up twice in the middle of the night thinking to myself, I'm the worst coach in the history of coaches. Mm -hmm. Because I felt, I like, the, we, we, we saw that this team was better than us. They were bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They practiced. We were four weeks behind in practice and we lost. We got blown out of the building. 
And, um, but we resolute to do things differently. And I was just so encouraged by the way these girls drew together and as a team. Mm. So my point mm. is to say, I'm curious to know, you know, as we, if we go that route, we, I like a play a sport, play an instrument. I don't know what you guys theory on that is play a sport, play an instrument. And I know a guy who's done that and another guy who's done that and their kids are all grown now and they're very, very good kids in the community and they're engaged and they're interested. So we, uh, yeah, we've done, we just started piano lessons a little bit ago for all of the older four, the littlest, not yet. And then our piano teacher had to quit, but that we definitely want to do music. I mean, that's the other part that's so cool though. Like right now, the, the boys, they, the, oldest has an iPad and he they've learned how to make movies and edit movies and trailers so they're making their own music to back the the movies because they have they finish school at noon usually every day so they've got hours before their friends are out of school so they're either learning skills teamwork practicing their sport we have a little half court sport court on the front yard making movies making songs just on their computers um so I'm totally with you though. Like I want them to be, to master different things and really get exposure to. And I'm the, like, music is one of my biggest passions. So I selfishly want them to like play piano, guitar and he plays guitar or used to, mm-hmm. not, not as much, but definitely want the same things for sure. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Our daughter wants to do more movies. She makes little videos and she wants to do more. So she's getting a video camera for her birthday tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Oh, yay. <laughs> awesome that's so cool hopefully she can't hear me (laughs) that's awesome so before we talk about reads because i want i don't i want to hear i want to hear the vision because i mean when i sat with brian uh for lunch a few months ago um you know i'd heard great things danny's a good hype man you know that (laughs) danny's a good hype man and so he is danny t and so i said I said, Dan, tell me. He's like, no, you guys got to meet. So he, he sets us up, sends a text, and we, and we, we meet uh, in Bellevue for lunch. Um, and it was awesome. So I want to hear about it. But we've got to ask, what is the, this changed my life? Oh. Okay. I listened I mean, to an episode. Yeah. I listened to the one um, where you talked about, like, getting a sense for your day. And, like, when do you have your good energy versus, yeah, like, yeah when do you have like your lull time and to like really make sure that when your brain's on and firing, you're putting your most needed activities within those time zones. And that was awesome. That was, yeah, just a great little tidbit. And I've been thinking about that when I'm planning and scheduling my day and it's been awesome. Ah, well, thank you. That is amazing. (laughs) That is so cool. Um, yeah, so I've thought of it. I love people first and foremost, and I love just getting to know other people's stories. And I actually, joke as a kid wanted to be Oprah used to pray for Oprah like just the whole thing of getting to sit with people and like get to the heart of things I was like oh that is like a dream job (laughs) and so it's kind of always been the case but then podcast world came so it's probably been like a three or four year thought of like I think I want to start a podcast so I just had like a note on my phone of like all the possible names I'm sure you guys did the same thing all the possible names and all your thoughts and who do you want to interview and whatever um but to be honest, just fear, like overtook that of like so many fears. And so didn't do it, didn't do it. And then finally this year, I feel like this whole year has just been my year of like, I want to conquer my fears. I want to conquer fear, fear of man, fear of failure, all the things. And so finally started it. Um, I mean, and it's COVID time. So I started it just in my closet because that was the best sound. And so 
started in my closet. The title, it kind of with the Enneagram seven, honestly, which I fought for a while, like I'm not a seven, but I'm a seven. Um, with like <laughs> a lot of things, I'll use that phrase of like, you have to try this LaCroix. It's going to change your life. Just trust me. Just taste it. It's the best thing ever. I promise you're going to love it. Like just very passionate about whether it's a pen or a hat or a lipstick or whatever. And so that was kind of the idea of this change my life is because the ultimate thing, my hope in it is using my voice to explain to people and share the gospel of like, Jesus really changes everything about your life. And this is what he's done in mine. And also let's talk about the silly things about life. So what is one product that's changed your life in your kitchen or a food? So it's been really fun because when I've shared things, sometimes it'll be all about my favorite gift guide of things that I'm like, you have to get these things, or it will be like an actual scripture or thought or process that's like changing my life that day, that week. Um, so it's been challenging. I mean, I do all the own editing, everything by myself, and I knew nothing, like nothing about any of that. So it's that's been a challenge, but also again, conquering my fear. I'm like, I can do hard things. I can learn new things. It's hard, but it's also kind of like empowering to say, I learned that I'm doing it. So it's been, it's been really fun. That's awesome. I remember when we, our first couple of podcasts, I was trying to figure out like audio and I, we, I learned it all as well on how to do it. And sometimes I listen back to the earlier ones that I started recording them on and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yep. But that's what I, people I some really good podcast before I'm like, really people that have a ton of listeners and their audio sucks. Yeah. Like, they less stressed out about it because totally. it's so bad. Yes. <laughs> and someone told me, you just need to start and you're going to exactly what you said. They're like, you're going to look back and be like, oh gosh, I was like, what was I doing? But you have to start somewhere. Nobody starts perfectly. So I just had someone said, start now, start messy. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I just have to do it and I'll figure it out along the way. So yeah, I mean, I'm learning a lot. And I, when I started, it was just me because COVID and I'm in my closet. I'm not going to like invite friends to my closet to record on the floor, <laughs> although I have. Um, and so it was just me kind of sharing a thought. So they were like five to seven minutes long. And I'm like, this is weird. I don't listen to podcasts that are like this short, but the feedback became, especially a lot of moms were like, I can actually listen to it, brushing my teeth on double speed and I'm done. So I've kind of kept them. Most of them are like under 10 minutes. So yeah, I think the one I listened to is 15 or so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so that's 15 awesome. or less. Tidbits. That's great. Yeah. Oprah changed my life. There you go. I was watching an Oprah. It's a true story. So I was watching oh. an Oprah Winfrey episode and she had Jay-Z on. The Jigger Man. That's right. <laughs> Jay. And, and this is, no, so my dad left when I was very young. And I had this, I, I told him screw himself when I was like seven mm. and I hadn't talked to him in, in, in over 20 years. And wow. I was good with that. And he was good with that. And Oprah, Oprah had Jay-Z on and Jay-Z said that he had, his dad left when he was nine, I want to say. And he had, he had squashed the beef. He'd reconnected with his dad after like 20 years. And I'm like, seriously, I'm sitting on my couch and I go, if Jay-Z can do it, I can do it. Wow. wow. And and I ended up calling my dad. I remember rehearsing. I can remember this like it was yesterday because I practiced it 10,000 times. I got his number. He's living in North Carolina. And uh, and I called and I asked for forgiveness for being mm -hmm. close-minded to the idea that we could ever have a father-son relationship. And I asked if he could would forgive me. And he said, absolutely. 
And he goes, oh, let me sit down first. He goes, absolutely. And, and, uh, and it, my, our daughter Malibu would have been one or two, but I knew she was like close to like that age, uh, a couple more years. And she's gonna be like, say, where's your dad? And I'm gonna be like, screw him. And I'm like, that's probably not what I want. <laughs> there was like a holistic, there was a holistic kind of process in it, but yeah, Oprah and, and Oprah. So if I ever, and I love the idea of this and somebody listening, if you've, thinking about this, start it. I'd be happy to tell my story on it, but I'd call it the chip. Like Oprah had a chip on her shoulder because they said to her, she'd never be on TV. She's, mm. she, she, she never, maybe radio, but never television. Like multiple producers again and again. And, but it was her, that's what she was passionate. She thought that she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so I love that she went and just got her own network. The Oprah, <laughs> right? And so uh, that, that's cool. But she, but she gave. It's amazing when somebody continues to to go through what the world might think and and ignore it and do the thing anyway, right? You're a basketball guy, right? You know, Michael Jordan is as good a story, you know, as they come, right? I mean, in terms of just basketball athletics and and you know, getting cut you know, from a basketball team to think that Michael Jordan would get cut from his basketball team. You know, we had, we have a kid in Bothell, you know, I remember seeing him when he's 13 years old. He's won two slam dunk competitions. Dad Paul was there every day at the gym at the YMCA. And, and Zach, he was, he had an idea that if I work hard enough, now I think D1 and NBA level players are, are born with enough talent. Like, I think you can work as hard as you want. But if you didn't get the talent gene, you weren't born with it. It, it, it. It's just there's a ceiling. But he obviously had the pedigree as well, or the, or the and the height, <laughs> <laughs> something, right? And but he had this he had this belief from second grade, you know, that I'm gonna play, and, he, and not only that, but I'm gonna play for the Chicago Bulls. I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. that there's how many folks when they have this this picture in their mind of what they can do. And, and Oprah, I think, gave that to a lot of women, mm -hmm. a lot of women in a, in a very good, healthy way. Like, man, yeah. shoot, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, and people continue sometimes, I want everybody to read 